you're the demisexual sluts. Like that. Oh is... my god, that's literally my brand. In yeah. fact, yeah. I created the hashtag, and I went and checked on the hashtag this morning, and I'm still the only one using it. So if you're listening to this and you identify as a demisexual slut, please start using the hashtag. I will start. <laughs> Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, your go-to bisexual polyamorous confidence coach who tells it as it is and owns her mess. If you're here to live your fuck yes life, welcome home, my love. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 welcome to episode 133. Today we are talking about all things demisexuality. And when I was asked by so many of you to have a deeper conversation on this um, since coming out as demisexual myself and talking about it a little more, especially on TikTok, there's only one person I could imagine to bring on to talk about this with me and have a conversation around our, our shared experiences because we talk about this all the time offline and a lot of you probably know her um, as one of the you know more seen polyamorous creators as well um, who talks about this element of herself and that is Jessica Levity who is here today for this conversation and who <laughs> this this truly like in the six seasons now of doing this podcast like I try and bring on just really incredible folks who I not only have a personal connection with in some level but also just really respect and know are going to have unique perspectives that aren't inherently my own um, because that's what creates good conversations and thoughtful conversations where we can actually you know breathe life into things and not just solely you know show from show up from our own objective nature but also like where it's gonna be fun and fucking just like like listening to your two friends you know (laughs) um talking about shit that they know about personally you know and also like moving around we we just talk about so many fucking things in this episode and um, it it truly warms my heart so goddamn much to finally be sharing this human with you because she has become such a staple in my world um, just as a person and as somebody that I rely on um, both as a friend and as a fellow like creator and educator in the polyamorous space. Um, but she's just so goddamn real. And if you follow her, you know that. If you don't follow her, you're about to find that out. And in this episode, yes, we dive into demisexuality. But even if you don't know what that is or identify as such, um, this is a really important conversation just about all things sexuality, all things stepping into our own journeys of unpacking and, un- and figuring out who we are and what actually makes us feel like the most ourselves. We talk about kink um, in a pretty substantial way. We talk about power, trust, um, expectations, flirting, um, you know, personal stories around our own sexuality uh, progressions and how we've come into ourselves and so much more. And I know you're going to love this conversation so goddamn much. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's our second date. Do you realize it that? It is our second date because our first date was our live. And we have to have like a real IRL date one of these days, you know? Like um, the fact that we have not met in person is not okay in my opinion. 
You know, I come to Chicago a lot. You do? Yeah. Well, girl, I'm from the Midwest. Okay. Well, you got to get your butt here soon because we need to go on a date. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> um, if a hot femme asks me on a date, I will get on a plane. <laughs> Tell me that's not the gayest shit ever. <laughs> U-Haul gay shit of my yeah, life. Totally. Also, the fact that you're are you wearing flannel right now? I can't really tell, but it looks like you are in the video. Oh it's, yeah, I'm I, wearing flannel uh, and a crop top yeah. in my hot in my hot girl jeans. Brought it to the pod. I'm so stoked to be here with you, and so excited to talk about something that I've talked about kind of in like the smallest bits when we talked about sexuality is fluid, like way back when I think it was like season two or three, but not really the extent of like what demisexuality actually is and so many people have requested a full episode on this and I was like this is the human I need to bring on to have a conversation about this because we are the demisexual sluts like that is oh my god that's literally my brand in fact yeah I created the hashtag and I went and checked on the hashtag this morning and I'm still the only one using it so if you're listening to this and you identify as a demisexual slut, please start using the hashtag. I will start. And also, we launched a channel on our Discord for demisexual sluts, and it is popping. I mean, everyone is, like, feeling it. And I, I did a few TikTok posts about it, like, back in the fucking day. And people were like, oh, my God, I feel so seen. So I'm so excited to have this conversation. Before we even step into – because some people are probably like, what the fuck even is demisexuality? I know I was that way. Before we even step into that, like, share a little bit about who you are. Like, what makes you you um, for anyone? Because you haven't been on the podcast before. And so I want to make sure that, like, people are like, who the fuck is here? And I'm not, it's not just this human that I'm going on a date with that wears flannel and crop tops and is a demisexual slut, which is so much of who you are. And also there's so much more to you. So <laughs> it also you're so cute and I can't stop looking at you. For the once, I'm not looking at myself on a Zoom. Okay. Um, <laughs> people are like, are they just flirting? And we're just listening. <laughs> I mean, if you're um, not okay. flirting with everybody, what's the point? That's that's my personal opinion, but <laughs> literally. Um, okay, so my name is Jessica Levity. Pronouns she, her. I am Sagittarius Sun, Cancer Rising, Cancer Moon. Thus, I'm a mess. I'm an Enneagram Eight, which is the Challenger oh, so um, or the Sacred Disruptor. So I am a Sagittarius Enneagram Eight. So I'm a fucking mess. Um, very intense, and but we, that cancer. Okay, hold on. We're going to reclaim the word mess because mess is a positive thing in this space. So, like, yes, you are a mess, and it is so blessed. Oh, yeah. I never said anything was wrong with it. <laughs> I'm just, Add I know people use, like, have a thing attached to that word, and we're reclaiming that word. So just putting that Good in for you. Either. And I appreciate that, and I reclaim it for myself in this moment, but then also literally a mess because I'm ADHD, and I don't know how to clean. And now that I have kids, I regret wasting all these years where I could have been a clean, organized person. <laughs> Um, okay. So yes, neurodivergent and actually just now uncovering. So I have only discovered to myself that I'm demisexual and ADHD. And also I think I have some other neurodivergencies, uh, in the last year. So these are all coming online to me. Um, I am a professional producer, entertainer, storyteller, digital media producer. I basically have, um, taken all of my ADHD and I have monetized it over the last decade. <laughs> um, I produce under an umbrella company called Home Slice Productions. And then under Home Slice Productions, I have a project called Remodeled Love. 
uh, whose the mission of Remodeled Love is the expansion of the cultural narrative around polyamory and healthy relationships. And that's how we connected is through my project called Remodeled Love, mm-hmm. which you can find on um, Instagram and Twitter. And um, on on TikTok, I'm still Home Slice Productions. So yeah. there, there's my spiel. Yay, love it. And we actually first really started like I think we connected a little bit on TikTok but we first actually started really getting to know each other because we're in um, the same there's a big group chat with a bunch of ethically non-monogamous and polyamorous creators or educators or meme you know fun entertainers on both TikTok and Instagram and we have an Insta chat where there's like a bunch of us I think there's what 30 of us on there there's 34 and let's just call it what it is it's a chat orgy. It really is. It's pretty great. And that's how we met. And then the things you were saying, I was like, mm, yeah, okay, we're <laughs> we're kindred souls. Like, you know, yeah. like we got to, yeah, so it was great. Um, and I'm also, I'm also very woo, which you love to tease me about. And I love it when you do. I do. So just add well, it to my kinks. I'm like, okay, so here's the thing about add it to your kinks. I like that. I have like, Mm -hmm. I have like a woo fetish, but it comes out every once in a while. Like if we're talking. And that's why I think I like it because I'm like, I can feel you curious. I can feel your woo curiosity. I I mean, I've been that way forever. Like if if you've been listening to the podcast since the OG, like, you know, I've had people like, you know, very spiritual folks on here and like we have conversations. I'm like a woo skeptic, but like also an enthusiast at the same time. Like you're bi. Yeah, well, and that's how, frankly, that's how I operate in everything. I'm like, I, I, I was taught to critically think, you know, that's how my, that was my education system growing up in Canada and going to like a French immersion school. So like I have critical thought and like making sure that you're not just coming into something and immediately saying yes and, but I'm also an actor and also someone who has an improv background and also somebody who is is a yes and person by nature. I'm a leap in the net will appear type person. That's like my personality. And I'm, I'm an Enneagram seven, you know, if we're talking like that, my, I'm an Aquarius. You're totally a seven. Oh yeah. Oh I'm my a seven God. wing eight. I'm a seven wing eight, you know? So it's like, it's super tracks. And like, I'm an Aquarius. I'm a manifesting generator. Like if we're getting into all the woo stuff, you know, we've talked about that on the pod, but it's things that it's like everything. I take a little bit of something, the things that resonate, I take it. The things that don't, I'm like, okay, bye, bye. Yeah. I don't want you, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. And and that's how I show up in the woo space as well. I don't identify as skeptic, but I am I am still a um conscious objector or um sacred disruptor of even woo concepts. And so I'm just constantly in there defining things for myself. And I have to show you because you dropped yes and can you see this? I can't. Oh, you have a tattoo that says yes and? Yeah. Because <gasps> I'm because your improv person. background too. That's like so ugh, I love that. Yeah. I wish I had the balls. I almost got a tattoo. This is like two a week ago. No, this past weekend that we're that we're recording this, I almost got a, two tattoos on the inside of my wrist, and I chickened out. I chickened out because I was like, I don't know. It's a whole other thing. We're not going to get into that. We're going to get okay. into the thing that's actually important right now, which is demisexuality. And before we talk about what that has meant for us, I thought it was important to actually define this. And the interesting thing about it is there are not a lot of definitions about this out there, and they all vary. So take this with a motherfucking grain of salt as always. But this is from WebMD, (laughs) which was the closest thing that made sense to me from all of the different definitions that I read. So I'm just going to read what it says, and then we can go into what Demi has meant for us. So It says, quote, demisexual people only feel sexually attracted to someone when they have an emotional bond with the person. 
They can be gay, straight, bisexual, or pansexual, and may have any gender identity. The prefix demi means half, which can refer to being halfway between sexual and asexual. Demisexuality can be a type of gray sexuality. A gray sexual person may experience sexual attraction only rarely, or they may feel sexual attraction but aren't that interested in sex. Demisexual people do not feel primary attraction, the attraction you feel to someone when you first meet them. They only feel secondary attraction, the type of attraction that happens after knowing someone for a while. End quote. So that's that's what WebMD defines demisexuality as, and frankly what I feel like is actually a pretty all-encompassed definition from what I've seen. I'm curious, like, how does that definition land for you? Can I take you on a journey? Yeah, let's go. Always. Okay. So episode seven of my podcast, season one, Remodeled. The the podcast is just called Remodeled, not Remodeled Love. Um, I'm talking to my meta, who is a non-binary Latinx death doula in L.A., <laughs> Love. And of course, <laughs> death doula sounds like such a dreamy and beautiful and sacred. Oh yeah, and they're witchy as fuck and very good at what they do. Love. Um, and very just very good at polyamory as well, might I add. <laughs> and so we're interviewing them. It is a powerful fucking interview. And I always do an identity check, you know, in the beginning of my interviews. And they're talking about, you know, they identify as demisexual. And I asked them to define it, and they said, well. You know, it's traditionally defined as this, and they kind of give that definition. And then they say, but for me, it's more like there is a switch inside of me. And sometimes that switch is on, and sometimes that switch is off. And I'm not in control of the switch. And sometimes I'm really in love with someone because they're hyper-romantic but demisexual. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, sometimes I want the switch to be on, and I'm begging the switch to be on, and the switch is not fucking on. I'm not in control of the switch. And you hear – you if you listen to this episode, you can literally hear my awakening. Because I'm like silent and then I'm like, I, that sounds like me. And then I brush it off and then Ooh, I brush it off. Yeah. And then like as we do. three months later end up coming out as like, oh my God, I'm demisexual. And I had to unpack it. And their definition is the thing that changed my understanding. And now I, I identify as demisexual because um, it's what a soul connection. <laughs> So, and they're actually, I have t-shirts coming. They're actually the ones that, like, gave me that moniker. Um, because, you know, in traditional demisexual definition, it's like it takes time to grow. To, I I don't need time. I can step out of time and space all the time because I'm that woo and ADHD. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, um, like, I just know. I can meet you and I can fucking know right away if we have a connection. I can feel the karma. Um, I can feel it in my body. Yep. And so I, time doesn't matter to me, but there is a little bit of a game that I do need the other person to play, especially if they're a man, um, because I have, so first is my demisexuality, the switch is on or off. Next is a wall, a vulnerability wall that I have up mm -hmm. that you know about mm -hmm. <laughs> because I have mm -hmm. embodiment issues. And so even if the switch is on, my, the next layer of my demisexuality is a wall that has to be melted. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. only way to melt that wall is to really be my friend. And actually, it sounds kind of fucked up because it kind of sounds like I'm playing games a little bit. And mm. I've beat myself up for many, it many does not, years. It does not sound like that to me. Thank you. Um, well, and I had to go on that journey with myself of, like, I'm playing games. And, but, like, 
I, like, if you, if I meet you on a dating app and you hit me with, like, hey, beautiful, how are you? Boom, wall up. I can't. I can't. I can't. In fact, I just, I don't know what's up with this new moon, but I just had some amazing matches for the first time in, I, like, two years. Oh, my gosh. Um, so excited for and, you. Thank you. And it, and it's all people who will just have a silly conversation with me and honestly make me feel like they don't even care if we ever fuck. Because mm. the second that... I'm like, oh, you are just here to be my friend and flirt with me, and, and the power is in my hands. Now my wall starts to build. Interesting. So it's a power element is definitely, like, incorporated in your demisexuality for you? Power and expectation. So totally. when I feel like you are expecting sexuality mm. from me, I will shut down. Mm. So fascinating. Okay, so how would you for yourself, and we're going to unpack that in a little bit, but how would you for yourself define, like, your demisexuality? Like, if you could make your own unique definition, and you can incorporate the switch thing, if that's your if that's your definition, amazing. If there's something else, I'm just curious, like, what exactly would that look like for you? Because I think we all have shades of what it looks like, and while that definition, I think, is in a lot of ways all-encompassing, it can also feel, feel at least to me, a little sterile and a little uh, nonspecific, which you know I hate so <laughs> for you like what what does what is your definition of demisexuality so in addition to what I've already said about like um this like demisexual like yeah. a, a soul connection um and in, in addition to the switch and then the wall um I heard so my god one of my favorite 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 polyamorous icons is Jessamine Stanley. Do you follow her? Oh yeah. Um so she um she's on Instagram and got, you know, she is a published author so she wrote yoga is for everybody. She identifies as a um fat queer femme black polyamorous person. And her podcast with her partner Ash is I it's called Dear Jessamine. It's my fucking favorite. Um, but there's an episode where I am going to email her because I don't know if she realizes that she's Demi. But in this mm. episode, she's talking about, she's like, well, I can have sex with anyone. And it's like, okay. But like, um, I much prefer sex like a tea. Like you put the mm. tea bag in the water and it steeps for a while. I mm. And like, she's like, I'm getting to this point in my age where I'm really just not interested in having sex that hasn't been steeped. And I was like, oh, my God, it's me because I can and I'll have a good time, but I'm not in it and I'm not in my body. And basically what's happened to me is I've had a few peak experiences, right? And like um, we, you know, peak experience is a term for a lot of people, but I know it in the drug world, right? And so like you have some MDMA, you have a peak experience. It's hard. To, it's hard to come back from that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I've you know, I went most of my life having like these okay experiences and I'm just like out because my inner slut is like, Ugh, I just want to have sex with whoever I'm attracted to. Um, and I can't. And I'm like, yeah. is this, are people enjoying this? Like I can't orgasm. Totally. Like I can't, I am totally performative. Um, and it's mm. still fun, but like I can take it or leave it. And then the first time that I had a soul connection and for me that requires totally believing that that person likes me and feeling feeling the reciprocity and for me that's very soul karma it's because I am so woo if that person is also woo and can meet me in that space and I can we are both like I feel the karma I I know who you are mm -hmm. on a soul level mm -hmm. the first time I had that I was like I'm not interested in sex less than that 
Mm. I just can't do it. And, you know, I was talking to, um, I'm going to do a live with Leanne because uh, Leanne from Polyphilia blog identifies as megasexual. So it's like the most opposite from me possible. Yeah. And she was like in the group chat, she was like, if we go on a first date and we don't fuck, I'm blocking you. Because, and she makes that clear. Like, I am looking, because she was like, yeah, I don't want to invest forming an emotional that bond That feels with so you. wild to me. Like, Leanne, we need a chat. <laughs> if you're yeah, listening. because she was like, I'm not interested in forming an emotional bond with you if I don't know we have sexual chemistry. And I was like, but how do you have sexual chemistry? I, love, I don't get it. I love hearing about all of their, um, uh, like, adventures in our group chat. It constantly makes yeah, me so, smile. Okay. So, that's kind of my definition yeah. and um it's just like I can have this other sex that's not steeped the tease isn't steeped but I I just it's not I don't really for you enjoy myself yeah. and it's not worth it to what me the anymore fuck? yeah if you're not ple- having pleasure then like why <laughs> at least in my opinion but but like it's not a time thing because I can walk into a party and not know anybody there and if I like we make <laughs> eyes across the room and I'm like Ooh. yeah so okay this is the thing that I think I have issue with around how some people define demisexuality and again like and and educate around it because I I think there is a piece of it missing which is that it's it has to take time right and I haven't necessarily inherently found that um for me what demisexuality has looked like is frankly like a very liberating identifier which I often don't find identifiers to be liberating for me I find them to be constricting but this has been one of the few in my life that has been really liberating because it gave me the framework to understand how I have always loved and why I have always not understood casual sex from the like I meet someone on a hookup app and like five you know, minutes to, you know, two hours later, I'm having sex with them to the fact that I'm like, I definitely have sexual attraction and have had like intense sexual attraction to somebody when I first meet them. But for me, it's about the safety component. For me, it's about the trust. And when I realized that like my whole story, my whole romantic and sexual story has been falling in love with my best friends I have been like, and six since coming out <laughs> as bi pan queer, I have realized that I was actually in love with, at times, with all of my female identified best friends, like all of them. I just didn't realize that's what was happening, right? And so, at a certain point, like you build, it's the comfort factor. It's the I feel safe with you, and so I can give my body to you you know, because my body has been the thing that I have been at war with my whole life. And that's why I do the work I do, because I have that history. But so much of my history, history from being young before even having any fucking friends, because I didn't have like a friend, really a friend that was not a family member until I was 13, maybe like This is why we're kindred spirits, samesies. And like she was... And still is like uh, feels like family, like cho- like chosen family. And we were rom- like we were looking back, like we were romantic with each other. We were super cuddly. Like we never like we never were or considered each other as anything other than best friends. Um, and I know her to be straight. Um, but I 
like that was like that felt like the right kind of way to love someone it, I the the whole like you know whatever like I don't touch you at all I can't be friends with someone who's not like physically I just I'm like I don't I don't get it you know <laughs> it feels like a wall for me because I'm like as soon as I feel like I can be myself here I want to just be snuggling at all times whether you're a partner or a friend or anything else like that's how I live and it made me realize that like because of my trauma from really young when I was bullied all the time and didn't have any friends and was like I my the safety component was real like when I first met her my best friend if she's listening hey um like we hated each other well I hated her you know because like I was like you're weird and I'm weird and I can be the only weird one you know and then eventually like we we were forced to do a project together in school and then it was like oh my gosh you're actually the best and through that through that shared experience and through getting close in that I felt safe with her and the same thing has happened in any of my romantic relationships the only person that breaks that mold is my husband which is so interesting because he was a stranger that met me in class and (laughs) came up to me and was like I need to know you like that was his opening line was like I don't know how to explain this other than I need to know you right now and I was like I don't know you get the fuck away you know and then he like he like really tried for like a month it took me a month to even say yes to a first date and then on our first date, we closed down the fucking restaurant and I was like, what is happening here? And I immediately wanted to be physically present with him, you know, whereas like it's not something I'd ever experienced before, at least cognitively, or that I could, you know, have awareness of in my body. And now since being poly for the last three years, it's been like, oh, this demisexuality piece has been so clear for me because I'm like, why am I overwhelmed and intimidated by these humans who like just want to have sex all the time, like immediately? And also there have been some people where I'm like, oh, the connection is so present. Like I I have a feeling this is going to be going that way pretty soon, you know, like once we chat STI statuses and all that good stuff. And it just created a space for me of liberation and of frankly even being able to unpack and understand my attachment to safety and trust and how it why it takes me so long to feel like I can really be vulnerable with asking for my needs like I can share my story a million times over but to ask for my needs or to fully give myself like mind body soul to a person it either takes an intense feeling of safety and 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 a space of love that is built really quickly or it takes fucking years for me you know Mm. um it's really interesting I resonate with so much of that um thank you for sharing yeah the trust and safety is huge for me and for a long time um I wondered like did I have some trauma history and I consciously don't So then me being woo was like, I wonder if I have some really intense past life trauma that's manifesting this time. And now that I I just stopped analyzing it and was just like, I'm gray sexual, I'm demisexual, and that's what it is. Mm. The trust and safety is huge. I'm also awakening right now to realizing that so much of my demisexuality is um, the only thing that really melts my wall is kinkiness. Mm. Yeah, so my wall has to be done into place a little bit and I'm very bratty and so um I need a brat tamer 
and and I am I am kink adjacent because I am too demi to have ever played in that world. Same, but like I but so desperately want to. <laughs> I so desperately want to, and so my dream, my like my greatest dream is to manifest partners who I have a demisexual connection to who want to engage in kink with me. I so am with you. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, you know, it it's kind of looking like I've just manifested two out of nowhere. Um, I'm telling you, this new moon last night is like wild. Um, but because I need the trust. And then within that, I, I think I have a lot of um, insecurity around that I'm complicated. So mm. uh, the ability to bring me to orgasm feels complicated, and I get very in my head that I'm mm. high maintenance. Um, I have a, I have some fear there that I'm too much in all ways. Ooh, I'm getting emotional. Um, and so in addition to, like, physical safety, my ideal partner, and when you said, like, I need to be in a space where I feel like I can advocate for my needs, that really, like, landed in my world because I was thinking about it last night. I am not kidding you. Our date today is so, like, kismet. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, I – really need a partner who I can say this is what I need and not say I'm sorry it's complicated and then have them do it so to unlock me Mm. to melt my wall I have to be I first of all I have to believe that you like me and that's why the hitting me with the hey beautiful hey gorgeous I'm like Mm. I could be anyone and I just feel like you're saying that word to Mm. me and it turns me off and it puts my wall all up so if we are being intimate I need to know that because I honestly think I'm amazing I think I am such an interesting fabulous person and I like to know that my partner knows who they're with Mm. and I realize I kind of have like a worship kink but not in a cocky way in like a I want you to hold me in in like Mm. (laughs) is this landing oh it's like it's unlocking you you said unlock and then I was like I'm being unlocked but also like this is something that I've been exploring actually like in partnership the last couple of years and also in my own embodiment practice is like identifying with the word goddess and feeling like when people would say that to me before I would be like "Hmm." like years ago I'd be like no like that's weird like don't like don't like worship me in that way and then and then I was like, I had a friend of mine who was like almost a partner, but then wasn't. And I don't know, we have like a a middle of the ground relationship. And they're just like one of my favorite humans and would call me goddess all the time. And it felt really good coming from their lips. And I was like, why am I, why am I resistant to claiming this? Like, why, where is this resistance coming from? Mm -hmm. And I realized it came from the same thing. I was like, I don't want to come off cocky because that has been something that I have been told my whole life. You are too much. You are too confident. Like you are too bossy. Like your, your, your knowing of self or your, or your weirdness or your goofiness or your, the way that you take up space is too fucking much. And so that's why like I made myself smaller for so, so many fucking years and it still comes up all the goddamn time, especially in new relationships. It's like, can I be me here? Like, is it safe to be me? Can I be all of me? And it's like, you try a little bit and then you like, you're like, is it, it, it's this constant, but yeah, that, that, that word has been, I, I, it's been a practice to reclaim it and actually being, I'm a, I identify as a switch. We've not really talked about kink on the podcast that much, but I identify as a switch and fully like, but I've lived more in the sub world. But I think part of that is because I also lived more in a heter- heteronormative world for a really long time. 
and it was just kind of like what I thought was okay and so I have had a partner like the last year that identifies more as a sub um, but is also a switch but like lean sub and hasn't really had the opportunity to play in that space as much and so I was like let's fucking go like I'm an actor I can do this like I want to like embody my dom self and like the word goddess has been the thing that has landed for me in that space. And now I'm like, yeah, I motherfucking am a goddess. And like, you better know it. You better worship me. And it, it's like, oh, girl, <laughs> I'm like getting turned on. Turning just, like, on. I know. <laughs> totally. You know, what's so interesting yeah. is I am also a switch, but I can't go against the energy present in the relationship or what I would call the karma. Yeah. So like, um, what I have found is with mask partners, I am subby, but always bratty. I cannot be a tra- there. I have too many power issues to just be a traditional sub. Like oh, I am a brat, a thousand 100%. percent. Me too. But um, with my last girlfriend, I was like, because she was femme, and I had no idea I was a top until I met her, <laughs> and I was like this dom side came out of me and I was like who is she I had no idea and I realized our energy Mm -hmm. in that particular karma I was very dommy and she would try to take the power from me and I'd be like no 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 Mm -hmm. um and by the way I love fucking like I love to fuck actors because mm, we are so good (laughs) At what we do. Totally. Like, they're the only ones who can play the dirty talk game with me and take yeah. on the role. And I'm like, keep up. Keep up. I have had so many people tell me I'm intimidating. It's so funny because I really game. haven't, like, ever been with actors. Like, I, I had a rule in school, like, not that you did, like, don't dip your wick in company oil. So, like, I did not get with any of my classmates. Like, we were together for four years. I was like, this is going to end so poorly. So, like, logically, I just, like, shut it off. Even though I, I maybe didn't want to all the time, but I did. You know, I shut it off, and and I just and then I met Kev when I was nineteen, and so I was like, I'm done. You know, like the fuck off is on my forehead. And then I was like, jokes, I'm Polly. You know, but interestingly, I actually have like mostly not connected with people who are actors. I don't know. It's it's fascinating that that hasn't come up more, given that I live in a very actor centric city, and I know and a considering lot of actors. like. How incestuous the theater world is. I'm shocked to yeah. hear this. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think, I wonder if part of that narrative is still playing for me, you know, still into mm. my, into my life, but yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so interesting how this plays a role in kink. Cause I was also like curious how Demi sexuality has played a role in, for you in your poly journey, because I know it's, I think my awakening to Demi sexuality happened because of being poly like there's there's literally no way I would have even been able to admit that to myself I think or or own that because I I wouldn't have been dating I wouldn't have had the opportunity to like experience new connections at least I would have been able to have them but I wouldn't have felt like it was safe to do so I guess you know or like ethical and I you know that just wasn't how I operated so yeah. yeah, the role that my demisexuality plays in my polyamorous journey is that it feels like a prison and I hate it. <sighs> and I think this is where we differ. It sounds like you really like your demisexuality and I actually really resent mine. Um, Why? Because I want to be megasexual. I want to be Leanne from Polyphilia Blog. But why is that what you want? Because I am a deeply deeply sexual person same who desires 
like when I am there, so when I do find the person who melts, so turns my switch on, melts my wall, and then has the key to unlock me, let's be for real, I have like a three-step fortress. When I do meet that person, I'm like, what, sex, 24-7, we don't need sleep. Maybe we need some snacks. And I always need snacks. That is like a non-negotiable snacks and water. (laughs) But like that is I and then once I'm there, I tend to be more sexual. So I have a history of being even more sexual than my partners, which is also traumatizing, Um, especially if they're not gentle about it. And they they're coming from a triggered place and they like shame you and you're not you don't have enough wisdom to know like okay that's their stuff I love that so I have a lot this. of shame around being the more sexual person in mm. a dynamic once my switch is on mm. um yes and so for me it affects my numbers so like when we talk to polyphilia blog in the group chat she's out here <laughs> having the most sex of anyone I've ever known in my life and I wish that was me. That's that's my answer to why I am a reluctant demisexual. Mm. I, as a deeply spiritual person, accept mm. that this is my path. My Venus is in Scorpio. And so I don't know a ton about that. But, you know, Venus is the path of your love story in this lifetime. And with my Venus being in Scorpio, my, my deepest desire is to plunge to the depths of the tantric knowledge and the wisdom on this planet, to take my lovers deep down within ourselves with me. And, like, you know, when that kundalini is charged and mm. you are, like, one with somebody, mm. and I just can't do that with anybody. But yeah. I would fucking – but you know what? It, now that I'm saying yeah. this, I feel like my demisexuality is keeping me from being an addict. Because if I was not demisexual, I might be like a Honestly, that's exactly what was coming up for me too because I have addiction tendencies for fucking sure. I mean, I'm in recovery from an eating eating disorder cycles. Like I have had addictions for sure. And yeah. I totally would be a sex addict. Like I am similar to – and I really like that, that we're talking about this piece of it because I think there's a very big misconception about the gray sexual, asexual, or demisexual scale, which is that like we just aren't sexual pe- people, right? And that can be true for some folks, but that's not true for everybody. And it's certainly not true for me. Like once – once I am in a situation that feels really fucking safe and good and, like, I'm in partnership with someone, like, I am the same way as you. Like, I'm like, can we just – can we fuck, you know? And to the point where I also have felt shame around that, especially because for a long time I was so locked up in my body and so self-conscious about my body in so many different ways that, like – sex was something I often wanted to do because of the connection piece of it but didn't find a lot of like um exploration and expansion and liberation and pleasure in and so so much of my like sexual experience I feel like I'm coming into this is why I feel like I'm a teenager sometimes I'm like I'm uh, once I'm there like I am ready to go and like I I am also like probably the more sexual person in a lot of my it's 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 rare for me to meet someone who's like fully right there with me. Um, it's been very few in my life. I, in fact, I would say two, two of my partners, both twin flames, um, were the yeah. only people at my level, and it was the most fulfilling fucking thing of my life. Yeah, because I would actually. They were say there. The they never shut me down. They they initiated as much yeah. as I did. I would and, say and, same, and That's I didn't have to hide it because I once you say even one thing. That makes me think I'm too much in that area. I shut down. And now I, like, I will want it. And then I have to, I'll be in my head for 30 minutes. Mm. Play it cool. Act like you don't want it. Don't, don't initiate and then get rejected, you know? And so, like, 
I'm not being myself mm. once that happens. Mm. Mm. Okay, so so much of the work we're gonna do off of this podcast together and in our in our text messages when we talk and we're oh, like God. spend time <laughs> together is gonna be you 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 finding compassion for this piece of yourself instead of hating it because I know that instinct especially in a world where like we are taught that if we're not sexual that something's wrong with us or if we don't want someone off the bat like often people take that personally and that's not on you so we're just gonna say that for anyone's listening that might feel similar like we're not that's not on you but also because this is a part of you Right. Just like any other identifier, this is a part of you and a part that's worthy and deserving of Mm -hmm. maybe not your love, because like I think the whole like self-love thing is it it can be really um, it can feel really disingenuous, especially when we're like, well, I don't love my body or I don't love this part of me. It's okay to not love something about yourself, but it's not okay. And I say this like with so much fucking grace and love, it is not okay for you to hate on something that makes you who you are. Like you Mm. deserve to give yourself at least some compassion and be like, I'm not I'm not in a place where I want to be with this yet but I know this is a part of me and I'm going to give it like some extra care because it's a piece of me that's here for a reason right don't like disengage from it choose to step into that and like find the pieces of it that now you can even feel that compassion for that you can feel that grace for because I know for me at first I was like well, one, this helps me understand so many things about how I step into relationships. So that I felt a lot of thanks for and gratitude for. But two, I have had similar feelings of like, I wish this was different. Like I want to be, I want to be this like fucking sex symbol. I want to be able to just like have these like really fun, go to sex parties and like be stoked about it, you know, (laughs) instead of like so intimidated and like not know, like I, I've wanted to do that for fucking years and never had the cojones for it you know like it's just not it's just not been there for me and that's okay you know um if anything I'm I'm finding more and more that I'm I'm really grateful for this part of myself because it it is keeping me safe in this season you know like it's keeping me safe in stepping into and for me how it stepped into for polyamory like I never dated online and frankly never really dated a lot you know pre-poly like I I dated two people (laughs) one of them is my husband so like I very easily could have gone down a train of like I'm just gonna like date all the people and you know like have sex with all the people and whatever but I wasn't I it's not who I am and not that that's a bad path that's a a great path for many people but for me it I know that it would have just re-traumatized me given my personal history and so having this like space to be like okay like this is my safety net this is this is what's keeping me safe right now while I'm stepping into this new framework this this new way of identifying and of, of feeling in myself and that when I actually do build that connection, which happens less than I would like, but it still is possible to happen, that I can then go so deep in those spaces, that I can then experience the kind of safety and physical ecstasy that I am craving in my bones in a way that is 
so wildly fulfilling. And I know that from experience, but I also know that it's really hard to fucking wait for it because I did for so long too. So if you're listening, you're like, I hate that this is a part of me because I just want to feel that connection. I just want to, I want to be able to like, you know, go there to have these amazing like worship experiences or like mind-blowing orgasms over and over again in a sexual context like it can it can happen um because I've I didn't think it could and it can you know like it can um so yeah those are my thoughts girl you just preached the word to me right there And, like, I want to be so mad at you for being cheesy. Like, that's my defense mechanism is when you're like, you have to have grace and compassion for yourself. Like, the first part of me was, like, so cheesy. Like, stop being that life coach. And then instantly started crying when I, like, I'm sure you saw my eyes water up. And I just tried to let myself be in it because I know that you would want me to be embodied. No, honestly, I was watching you and it was really beautiful to witness. Yeah. So... I appreciate because I really don't. I really don't have compassion for that part of myself. Um, I think one of my most viral tweets of all time. I don't understand Twitter for the record. <laughs> I Maybe like Twitter's my least used it. social media, and every New Year, I'm like, my resolution is to get into Twitter, <laughs> and I never do. Um, but one of my most viral tweets of all time was shout out to the person dealing with the shame of always being the more sexual person in a relationship. Interesting. And, um, And, you know, that was for myself. That was for myself. Um, So I do have a lot of just – and it's because, one, I was a deeply sexual child. Um, I was a very sexual child, and I know that that is a thing. Like, between – like, you were either not a sexual child or you were. Um, Or also you might have a a trauma history there, which I want to honor. And I just, no trauma history, but I just was. And I was very hyper aware that it was weird and that no one else was. Mm -hmm. And so immediately I am grounded into a place of shame from day one. Mm -hmm. And then you grow up with a, in a terrible culture with terrible sex education. And then you are sitting with partners who have no idea how to gently just tell you like, oh, that, that's not me. Love that for you, but that's not me. So then you have these moments of re-traumatization where that person who's triggered by the way you show up says something shitty and shames you. And then you get further and further and further from yourself. Um, And it it truly wasn't until I had my first partner who was there too that I was like, holy shit, I didn't know that this was possible, that I could be myself. That something wasn't wrong with me, but that just not every partner was in that same place. Um, and not and not being um, hyper vigilant about am I asking too much? Am I am I initiating too much? Play mm-hmm. it cool, play it cool. Act like you're fine just watching a movie and that you mm-hmm. didn't just spend the entire day thinking, are we going to fuck during this movie? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're when you were preaching to me, I was just like, oh, I could feel it in my heart and in my gut and my third chakra for sure. There's some there's some wounding there. And then mm-hmm. I want to go back to something you said a minute ago, or like the chapter before this. Um, <laughs> So I want to, you know, trigger content warning, body issues, body dysmorphia, eating disorder. So just give it five seconds here so people can can turn it off if they want to. Um, but a huge piece of my demisexuality is being reminded throughout a sexual experience that you think I'm beautiful. And, like, it cannot be phoned in. It has to be. I can feel. I... 
-hmm. I can feel when I have a partner who sees me. Because on the one hand, I think I'm the shit and I am confident and I think I'm a very unique person. But on the other hand, I'm deeply insecure. Totally. So this is part of the paradox that is Jess. And sometimes I have these partners. It's like the type of partner who will stop you mid-sentence and go, I fucking love you. Like when I'm going off on one of my ADHD, neurodivergent, hyper, like focused passions, like get me on a topic that I'm a fucking nerd about and stop me in the middle of it and go, I fucking adore you. And if I can feel that you mean that, oh my God, you can have my whole heart. Mm. Um, And so there are moments with some of my greatest love stories of my life where we're just laying in bed and they'll look at me and go, God, you are fucking beautiful. And I can feel it. They're not performing it. Yep. They are not cashing in some line that they yep. think they need to say. Like, they are really seeing me in that moment and think I'm beautiful. And I need that throughout an entire sexual experience. Mm. Or, like, I honestly cannot – I can't be there. Mm. Oh, God. Okay. This, we knew there were going to be tears the on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's knew. the new moon and I'm ovulating. Oh, but also, um, like, you're making me tear up because – This is something I think, like, I so deeply identify and resonate, and I think so many folks listening do too, right? And it's this, like, for me, I need to feel seen. Like, I I have to feel seen. Need to feel seen in my, all of my relationships. And the minute I don't, my walls. I, it's interesting. My walls, because I, either I'm just like I'm, I'm such a like, whether it's my naivete or there's just like my my Canadian self coming out. Like I have like I'm just like I love anyone until they tell me like otherwise, but I don't trust them necessarily or feel safe there. But the love is there. The the assumption of positive intent is there. But the minute that they say something or do something that tells me, oh, you don't see me. Whether it's them teasing me in a way that, like, actually is not something I like. Or, and I like to be teased, like, I really do. But, like, not, you know, in certain ways. Or they misinterpret something I say. Or they, <laughs> you know. We are the same person. Or, or like, oh my God. you know, I do something really, really romantic or what and thoughtful. And, like, they don't think it's that. Or there's this is like a disconnect. I'm like, oh, you don't see me, you know, um, literally, yeah. And that's when the wall goes up, and that's that's what was coming up for me is like I I, I think so much of this for me has looked like what has allowed me to feel like it's okay to try and be seen is like, and frankly, like even coming out as Polly has been part of that for me. I mean, all of it, all of the identity pieces of that I'm living in now is like, please see me and please love and accept me. And if you don't, I'm going to fall apart. Yeah. And I'm going to add on to that. So once I feel like you don't see me, not only does my wall go up, but now you've got me hooked and I am an addict to uh, getting that person to now see me. So now I'm going to start performing. Now I'm going to start, you know, making art that I'm like, hopefully this, like maybe they're going to like see mm. one of my viral TikToks and be like, oh, you get bigger. who am I? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't believe I I had Jessica Levity and I let her go. Mm. She's so funny and witty and smart. What was I thinking? Mm. And now I am just entirely trying to earn your love back. And I've recently learned through TikTok um, that that's because I'm emotionally unavailable. And so the codependent will will manifest an emotionally unavailable kind of like narcissist person because our ego wants the illusion that we are the vulnerable ones and they are the damaged ones when really we We are emotionally unavailable well we're all that way like we're all we and damage is such a like word that like I personally don't love but like we all have our wounds we all have our our darkness and the other people do too like everyone we're dealing with has stuff right and so uh, to be able to give someone the benefit of the doubt and to see like their light instead of only witnessing the dark pieces can be really hard especially when we're feeling triggered or we're experiencing our own demons at the same fucking time and like it is what I believe is the way to build relationships and build humanity and like come together and I don't know. It's it's a really interesting thing. I love that you say that you're diet. You're diagnosing yourself on fucking TikTok because I feel like everyone and their mother is doing that right now. I've had so many people reach out to me being like, literally, I feel like TikTok, like downloading TikTok, I've come out as, you know, like anything under the LGBTQ, you know, plus spectrum and as poly and as neurodivergent. And I'm like, same, although a lot of it was pre-TikTok, but like same, you know, and it's just so funny to me. Definitely the ADHD has been a TikTok thing for me and I'm I'm unpacking that too. Yeah. So I think my my um ideal play partner is very kinky. Very kinky. Brat tamer. But degradation, I'm a zero. I Can you explain cuz to... I feel like a lot of people are probably like I don't know what these terms are. Like what is what is degradation? Like like shaming. And, and from the most humility, I am learning myself. Yeah. A degradation. Maybe we should have a kink is... person on the pod. <laughs> degradation is um is the sexual play in which you're degrading somebody so the so the dominant would would you know ask you like what are the things you'd like to be degraded about and then the submissive would get pleasure out of being degraded yeah so but that's one of my hard no's hard limits is what it's called in the world I shut down and so the kink the kink worksheet I just filled out thanks to Lola Jean um is like what makes you shut down versus what turns you on Mm -hmm. and as I was going through the list I degradation was is a shutdown like if you slip into degrading I am now I'm out I'm out of the game my wall is up door locked Put out the moat, get the alligators. Yeah. Um, so I want to be fiercely domed. Pull my hair, choke me, put me in my fucking place, but do it from a place of I fucking love Need you. you. Yeah. You are the sexiest thing on this planet, yeah, and yeah. I can't believe I have the honor of playing with you. Yeah. So yes, spank me, but do it in a place of like I love this woman. Yeah. And comp like compliment me. Like yeah. I, I know I'm the shit, and I want to be reminded of it. So fascinating. I love how like, and I'm sure everyone listening is like, my demisexuality shows up this way and it's different. Or like, you know, they drew elements from both of our stories and we're like, yeah, that sounds like me. That sounds like me. And I just want to say like that this is so complex. And if you're still unsure if this is an identifier that feels good for you, like that's okay. Um, There is no need to ever identify as something but what I do think 
that is so important that you just talked about is like this worksheet thing and something that I've noticed and how this has really played a role in my own polyamorous dating experience is that it's given me the language to communicate effectively with new partners around my needs when it comes to building an emotional, sexual, and spiritual relationship with someone. And also, it has given me the like courage, frankly, to have conversations about sex before we actually have it. So like talking about what we like, talking about what is exciting and what is not, or what we're open to trying but don't want to do it until where we feel a certain comfort level so these things are off limits for now, you know, and being able to actually have those conversations before we actually have sex for the first time um, is something I never did before, you know. I was like, we're just going to have sex, you know, now that, now that I feel the this, this safety, like, okay, we're going to have sex and we're going to see how it goes, you know. And it doesn't have to be this clinical thing, but I think having an understanding – and being able to communicate and say, these are the things that excite me, like it, for me, has been really liberating. I don't know. Do you do that with partners before? I'm just now getting there, and a huge piece of it has been me not feeling shame around those pieces. Mm. So I would hide them, which was essentially self-sabotaging. So feeling like, well, if I tell them how complicated I am, they're going to roll their eyes and be like, all right, Mm. I can't with this girl, and they're going to leave me. And so then I wouldn't tell them the keys to my fortress, Mm. and then – it doesn't work and Mm. it sabotages anyway. So now I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you my manual, right? I'm here's, here's the manual to Jess. And honestly, those who deserve me are the ones who are going to fucking read it. And Mm. that's where I'm at right now. I love that. We're just going to sit with that because that y'all need to feel that way. Yeah. Like hell yeah. I mean, you don't need to feel anything, but like, yeah, stand in your fucking what you deserve because your worth is so amazing and you do deserve that you deserve partners in your life who are going to want to take that journey with you and not Mm -hmm. dismiss you for those things um and I believe that they are out there I deeply do thank you yeah and and I and my new thing is telling my partners um these the games that I play to move into performative because once I reach a place of vulnerability in the bedroom I I can't go past it and so I will move into performance and I'm a very good improviser and actor and so and men are dumb (laughs) and so like uh, all of a sudden I my wall is up and you have no idea and I'm going through the motions um and then it draws like a barrier between me and that person because they don't know that I did that and then some mm-hmm. part of me is like oh man they they totally. don't even know that I shut down I and um so mm. I'm trying to give my partners be vulnerable enough to tell them the games that I play so that when they see me do it like my ideal partner would be like Mm-mm, nope see you. you're yeah. closing down yeah. yeah yeah I get it I get it I feel like we talk about this forever Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably will continue to. And this has been so good. I really appreciate you just being you and sharing this part of yourself and just coming on the podcast for the first time. So um, thank you for being here and thank you to everyone listening. Before we hop off, I like to do some fun, fast questions um, that have nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. So Great. you ready? Me. Okay. So lately I've been doing this thing called Fuck Yes Joys. I started at the beginning of the pandemic and it's basically – like your thing of the day that has allowed you to come back home to yourself. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a thing that elicited joy for you, but something that 
brought you home. So what's like a what's your a fuck yes joy of your day so far? My outfit. Oh yeah, it is epic. Yeah. I love that. I just I just got my first crop top. I'm wearing my lesbian fl- oversized flannel and my hot girl jeans with the rips. Yeah, and you have a hat on too, and some really dope mm-hmm. earrings. Yeah, you look great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. What is something that you have taken away from this time that we've been living in during a pan- worldwide pandemic? So for me, it's a call to collectivism and a moving away from the cult of personality and individualism of the West. I feel that the spirit is calling us back into a place of interconnectedness and the way calling us to behave the way nature does, which is communally. Your woo came out so hard just there. I love it. (laughs) Spirit is calling. (laughs) I feel the same way, but I would not use the word spirit. But that's okay. That's why we're we're a beautiful, unique group. Um, Okay, last question. And this is the thing I ask every single person at the end of the podcast since the beginning of fucking season one, which is what does it mean to you to live your fuck yes life? Um, to define my identity and every piece of it from a place of internal wisdom instead of pulling wisdom from the world around me. Mm. And I have to add that's very privileged yeah. So I, I I have a lot of privilege to be able to be like, mm, I'm going to dress this way and define my sexuality this way and do whatever the fuck I want to do. So let me, let me put that out there. But um, to be what the shamans call self-referencing. Mm. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. Before we hop off, let everyone know where they can find you. Every, all of this will be linked in the show notes or all that good stuff. But yeah, let us know where we can find you online, TikTok, Instagram, beyond all that good stuff. So the best thing you can do is go to remodeledlove.com, and I have links to every single thing I do there, all of my social media, all of the projects I have going on. So just go to remodeledlove.com, and you can find links to my Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, um, Discord. Discord's the newest thing. Please come play in the Discord. Um, It's so hard to find non-toxic poly spaces, and even ones that start non-toxic can quickly become so and i culture my number one piece of advice to anyone beginning to engage in non-monogamy is to surround yourself in the culture and the only way to do that are these digital groups right now right because a lot of the physical spaces aren't safe because of covid and some of them you have no way to know whether or not they're toxic and so remodeled love launched a discord that we can pretty much guarantee you is something that we believe in so if you vibe with me and you trust the culture that i would create and my moderators would hold space for head over to our discord and begin engaging with like-minded people i love it thank you so much for being here you're the best you're the best and there you have it thank you just so much for coming on the podcast and for all of the show notes and everything we talked about in today's episode or how to work with both myself and jess and peer support sessions and beyond you can head to www.amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash 133 and you can also just go to our respective um, Instagram bios, TikTok bios, and get all the goods that way too. Uh, I know that there needs to be more representation in this space, and I really hope that this conversation either helped you helped you feel less alone 
in your own experience as a demisexual slut or just as a demisexual or however you identify and whatever feels good or that this helped bring awareness to a different way of feeling and being and identifying that maybe you didn't know in a deeper way. So I encourage you to share this uh, with your friends, your partners, your polycule, uh, and everyone in between. Share it with your mom. Um, And as always, uh, it so, so, so means the world to me that you support this podcast. If you don't already subscribe, be sure to. uh, We drop episodes every other Thursday morning. And, you know, it just means the absolute world to me when you share on Instagram stories or um, shout out the pod, leave a rating, review, all that good stuff. Uh, I read every single one. So it truly, truly means the world. And make sure you also tag Jess um, in your posts if you're listening to this and it meant something to you because we want to know, we want to hear. And as always, I appreciate you so goddamn hard. Keep showing up. Keep moving through life because your fuck yes self is so goddamn worth it. And until next time, I'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye.